1: This morning, I have the privilege of introducing Reverend Benjamin Wills, who is back with us today to lead us in our sermon and celebrate the Eucharist with us, and we're so excited to have you back with us, Benjamin. Um, Benjamin is not only a priest in our Churches for the Sake of Others network, but he is also the, um, the head of Peace Prep Academy, which is on the west side of Atlanta. And this is an incredible school that we also, another, this is one of our local partners, um, Peace Prep. And Peace Prep is a wonderful school that's working to educate the whole child and the whole family. And to provide opportunities for the for the whole community in a high quality and Christ centered environment, and they are really just um, reaching out into the community, looking for growth and change within that community. And it's a really beautiful, beautiful work that you are doing there. And um, we just Benjamin has been such a good friend of the parish for the last few years, and we're so thankful. So thankful for you, Benjamin, and glad that you're here with us today. Um, so we will start with our scripture reading. Mike's going to come on up and read us and read our scripture passage for us, and then Benjamin will take over.
2: I'll read from Acts chapter 11, 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven being lowered by its four corners and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four footed animals Beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, "'Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved.' And as I began to speak... The Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you uh, for having me again this morning, Parish. I feel like um, the one thing I want to say, which is not in my notes, is it just feels like an honor and privilege to open this particular text at this particular moment in the life of this particular church. Um, I've been hanging out with Jordan for a little while now and hearing about some of the things that are in store for you all, and it just feels like the Holy Spirit might have something to say to us in a particular way this morning. And so thank you for allowing me to steward this moment, and we hope to do that with God's help. Um, and I've got good news for you. The good news this morning, that God wants to do something in us, and God wants to do something through us. I think that's good news, that God would want to do something in us, and God would want to do something through us. There's a couple of curiosities, I believe, that live kind of always below the waterline of our hearts. They might be undetectable to our natural eyes, but if we look a little deeper, I would venture to suggest that all of us, on some level, have curiosity about what God has for us as individuals, and what God has for us as community. And I would say a step further, what does God have in mind for the world? And so that might sound like one of these two questions. What's God up to in my life, and what's God up to in the world? And so again, this morning, I have good news, because today's story in the book of Acts contains two really powerful truths Not answers to these questions, but invitations, I believe, if we're willing to follow them. Here's the two powerful truths. One, that God has a plan for us as individuals. God has a plan for each and every person he created. And the second, that God has plans for this world. That God is, in fact, up to something, even if we can't quite know what it is yet. And so the big idea, then, that we're working with is an encounter with God in us, could begin to transform the world around us. An encounter with God in us could begin to transform the world around us. And so just to get our bearings a little bit this morning, there's a lot going on in this story in Acts. We just heard a story, but it's really a story about a story. I'm a big baseball fan, but I lack the uh, endurance to watch three to four hour games these days. And so thanks to technology and my MLB app, I can watch a condensed game. I can watch in three to four minutes what happens, all of the highlights. And that's a little bit what's going on here. This is the highlights of a bigger story in chapter 10 of Acts. And so I would encourage you to go back and read the larger story this week. And what's happening here? Is pretty amazing. The event in question is the welcoming of the Gentiles into the family of God. It's a pretty historic moment of inclusion for the church. And it's one that set a trajectory of good things, yes, but also of much conflict and much division. You see, Peter, as he walks us back through this, has had an encounter with God. And this encounter is bent against all of his previous religious training It's bent against his inclinations. It's bent against his prejudices and those of the larger people group that he identifies himself with. And the Holy Spirit directly challenges all of those things. And this happens when Peter falls into a trance and then hears a voice. And then the Holy Spirit speaks directly to him. And like any reasonable person, Peter is perplexed. I imagine I would be as well and so would you. But he follows. He follows the lead, and he preaches the gospel to the Gentiles. And then what happens is the Holy Spirit falls on them, and then they're baptized. And then the major event in question here is that Peter shares a meal with them. Scandalous. But all of this began with a specific encounter with God that Peter had. And the encounter reminds us that God has plans for us as individuals, and God wants to communicate those plans to us. God still, today, wants to tell us what God is up to. And I think there's two particular ways we see that happening in this personal encounter with Peter. And one is that the Holy Spirit leads, right? The Holy Spirit leads. A common theme in Scripture, and we see it all throughout the book of Acts particularly, is the intervention of God in the human story through means and methods that we probably wouldn't choose on our own. I don't know if anyone woke up this morning and thought, Lord, let me be in a trance. <laughs> Often God is speaking and moving and animating individuals. And the one thing in common about individuals throughout Scripture, throughout human history, really is this, and it's good news for us they are available. It's just people who are available. Peter's Praying at the sixth hour, the scripture says, something to indicate to us that he has a rhythm, that he has a pattern of prayer in his life, and it doesn't make Peter extra holy or special, it just makes him available. One of the things I love about our tradition, about the Anglican cup to drink from, is that we are a people of prayer. We are a people who have, we have forms, we have structures, we have the daily office, we have the prayers of the people which we engaged in this morning. We have an entire prayer book which is meant to form and structure our prayer life so that we might be available. So we might be available to encounter the living God so that we might be available to hear from the Holy Spirit. And there's good news here about God's ability to communicate with us. It has very little to do with us. My daughter pointed out just the other afternoon, the Bible is full of stories of people that had dreams. There's all these characters in here and throughout the ark of Scripture, these people receive tremendous vision from God while they're doing what? Sleeping. I'm not sure how that lands with you, but to me, that communicates that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in a mysterious way that we can't fully comprehend, is an ability to encounter us when we are doing absolutely nothing. That is really good news. Friends, the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, It's not going to be dictated by our effort. It's not going to be dictated by our ability. It's not going to be reserved for the talented or the holy or the special or the wise or the wealthy or the powerful. The Holy Spirit wants to do work in people who are available. And I think all of us can do that. And just be be really clear here, though, Peter does, in fact, participate. There's a response. There's a response necessary to the movement of God toward us. And so the second thing we see as important here about this personal encounter that Peter has is that Peter follows. Peter follows. Peter's trance and his encounter with the Holy Spirit would be pretty strange and an unremarkable story if he had simply journaled them. Now, that's not to say journaling is bad, But it is to say that any spiritual formation that doesn't lead to engagement with the world and taking practical, natural steps is really just piety. It's just navel-gazing, and I don't know that the Lord has much use for that. God is calling to us in all of Scripture to actively engage the world around us. And what we see Peter do is first he goes where the Spirit tells him to go. And then he just says what the Spirit tells him to say. And then he does what the Spirit tells him to do. And it's Peter's obedience and his stewardship of this transformative encounter with the living God that leads to radical inclusion in the family of God. Friends, this Jew, Gentile, clean, unclean, circumcised, uncircumcised thing, it's actually a really big deal. Most of us in this room would find our stories of faith, our lineage of faith, rooted, impacted by this event that occurred over 2,000 years ago. And so often I believe we miss participating with God in the renewal of the world because we look too far ahead. What we see in this story is an invitation from God to Peter simply to take the next right step. If you remember back to a pretty significant conversation on a beach around a meal, the resurrected Jesus sits with Peter, and he asks him three times, Do you love me? And Peter says, Of course I love you. And then Jesus says some pretty cryptic, weird things about what's going to happen in Peter's life. And I would imagine that if Peter had been so consumed by that moment, that conversation, that he failed to take any steps forward, this would be a completely different story. But what we see here is this Peter, the same Peter, just taking the next step in following what Jesus told him to do, to feed his lambs, to tend his sheep. So there's two questions I would suggest we examine here in our time with the Holy Spirit this week. The first is, do I believe that the Spirit is still speaking and moving? Do we believe the Spirit is still speaking and moving? And the second is, have I made space in my life to hear and sense the Spirit? Is there space in your life to sense and hear from the Spirit? You see, an encounter with the living God is not only possible, I believe it's actually God's intent and God's desire to connect with you. And there's work God wants to do in us, and that's good news. And this matters. It's important for us because there's work God wants to do in us. But I would take it a step further and say there's work God wants to do through us. There's work God wants to do through you. Let me be more specific for a moment. I think there's something specific God wants to do in and through this body of believers. I don't imagine any of you just generally showed up here today or just generally show up here weekly. You probably get in your vehicle and either punch into your GPS or know how to get here by now, but you come here with some set of intention. Because you're on a particular journey with a particular group of people, and I believe that God wants to speak to all of us together to shape our time for specific purposes. The reality is, I don't think we need much of a reminder this morning that the world is not as it should be. I've come to realize the better question sometimes is, how far off is it, and is there something I can do to move it closer? The Revelation passage we read in prayers of the people gives us a glimpse of the end we ought to hold in our imagination and in our hearts. It says there's a throne and there's someone saying, see the home of God is among mortals. He'll dwell with them as their God. They're going to be his people and God himself will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. The first things have passed away. This is really good news. And this tells us that God has a specific end in mind for the world, that God has plans. For the world, this is going somewhere, and God's plans can orient us. They can lead us as we consider not just the things that are broken or wrong in the world, but what could we do about them? How might we engage them? So there's two things about how we might engage the world I see in this story. One, I think it happens in community. It happens in community. That's what's special about this The movement of God in you is best considered in the counsel of trusted, wise followers of Jesus, other people who are being attentive to the Spirit. There's another character that's only called he in the condensed version. If you look back, his name's Cornelius. He's described as a devout man who feared God, was generous, and prayed continually to God. And this man, just as Peter was being visited in a trance-like state, also had an encounter with God through an angel in a vision. And these two men eventually sync up. They compare notes, and it becomes clear to them, the Spirit's talking to them about the same things, and their actions are aligned. And so they move forward together. So that gives us grounding to understand a little bit more about how the Spirit speaks. You see, often, not always, but often, there will be a resonance among people in a community, and that can be an indication of a direction the Spirit is desiring movement among those people, right? When the Spirit of God is saying the same things to each of us, and we tell each other those things, that's a good sign we're heading in the right direction. This is, speaks to the importance of journeying in faith in community. Because none of us were meant to do this alone. Another reason we fail to make movement is because we wonder what it would look like to go alone. We're afraid of that. And I just wonder, I'm curious this morning, if God is speaking to us, if God's calling us out of that fear in our lives so that we might more freely encounter the living God. What would happen if, as a community, we started cultivating spaces of sharing what the Spirit is saying to us, and we started to hear one another, and our hearts started to resonate with one another, such that we could boldly move towards the pain and suffering around us, because we know we're not going alone? What would it look like just to normalize a question that we ask one another, like, what is the Spirit saying to you? What did you have for breakfast today? And what is the Spirit saying to you? The second way we see this transformation go from in us to around us is that it will be a reconciling work and it will be radically inclusive. It will be radically inclusive. A simpler way to say this is it will align with God's plans for the world. Whatever the Spirit is saying to you will align with God's ultimate telos or end that God has in mind. All things being reconciled. All things being renewed. All things being into their intended state. And here's some good news. This wasn't in my notes, but this is free. If you don't have a vision, if you don't have an imagination for healing something that's broken in the world or in your life... God does. God does. God does have an imagination for how that situation works out that you can't quite see the end of. You see, what we see happening in this story might feel kind of out of left field, but I can assure you that this is a moment that's built on other moments in Scripture, and it's a moment that we've been building on ever since it happened And even though culturally we might feel pretty distant from a dispute about who can eat at a table together, the world is not as it should be. The world we live in is as divided as it's ever been. We know this. Countries are at war. There's famine. There's poverty in parts of our world. There's ideological separation happening in the public square. There's theological difference that's leading to divisions among people within the body of Christ. And so what's pretty clear, to me at least, is that the Holy Spirit might still have something to say to us. What we can be sure of is that whatever the Holy Spirit says will create movement towards the end God has in mind. I know you've been in some themes as a church around reconciliation, and so we can take that here and hold it up and say, that's what's happening in this story. The Holy Spirit, God, is speaking to Peter and Cornelius, two men who could not be more different. And he's speaking to them about the means that God intends to use to reconcile two people groups, Jews and Gentiles, as they become one in the family of God. When Peter's asked to give account of this to the circumcised, to the Jews, he goes back and he explains to them, and his final conclusion is, Who am I to stand in God's way? In other words, what Peter is saying is the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about what God's been up to from the beginning, and it's the reconciling of people groups, so their response is to glorify God, and it's the only fitting response. When the Spirit speaks and we share it with others who bless what the Spirit's saying to us and join us, then we have the opportunity. To join God in the redeeming, renewing, restoring, reconciling work that God's been doing from the very beginning. Encounter with the living God in us will lead us to the transformation of the world around us. And I want to just for two minutes here just imagine something. So if you feel safe and, and can close your eyes, I promise nothing strange will happen. And just imagine a table a feast, imagine you're there at first alone, and Jesus comes in and sits down at the table with you. And I just want you to imagine who else starts coming in the room to be at that table with you and and with Jesus. Who else is coming to that feast And perhaps there's joy, perhaps there's a smile as people you're familiar with and you know and your friends and your family and your loved ones and kinds of people that you get along with really well come in the room. And then I want you to imagine a a tougher question. Who's not at that table? Who's not at that table? Either you didn't invite them or you didn't want to eat with them. And this isn't meant to be condemning, it's, it's meant to bring you freedom because I believe this could be the ground that the Holy Spirit begins to shift something in you and around you. This story this morning is a reminder to us that the story of God is a story that leads to more love and more inclusion, and not less. Making more room at the table, inviting more people into that room with you. Who might that be? If you come back into this room with me now, I'll close with this picture. There's a commercial you might have seen for car insurance. And in it, there's a guy who's spinning this big cardboard sign. He's got a sweatband on, he's dancing, there's music playing, he's spinning it, he's spinning his body, he's dancing around, he's moving. And then it pans over and there's another guy who's just there, just holding a sign. There's a really cute little kid and he says, why don't you do the cool spins? And the kind of flat guy says, uh, the people need to read it. It's kind of plainly. <laughs> I, don't, I wonder... Which kind of sign holder that the church could be? Could the church be the one with the dynamic movement, with the music, with the engagement, with the invitation? Or or the one that just says, the people need to read it. You see, I believe that the way we love, the way we invite, the way we experience God together in us and around us makes a particular kind of case that the church is a people of movement and invitation and activity and and we're moving the world towards a particular end, the one God has in mind where nothing's broken, nothing's missing. As the Jesus story Bible says it, everything sad is untrue. I wonder what kind of church you want to be. Let's be a people of movement. Let's let the Holy Spirit lead. We follow in community. And let's seek the end that God has in mind. Because God wants to do something in us. And God wants to do something through us. Amen? Amen. Amen.